What's going on, Coastal? How are you guys doing today? Welcome, 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 everybody that's out there. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining us for this week of week two of a series we're calling Your Best Self. Before we dive into today, can we give it up for everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? Man, we love you guys. We're so glad you're joining with us today as we dive into this series. And this series has been all about our, our minds and our mental health in life. And, and here's what I know is that at Coastal, wait, wait, before I dive into this, let, let me say this um, for this service in particular. Um, 1130 at Parkland, I need your help, okay? Look around the room. It's packed again. And uh, there's people that want to come to church. We want to have seats for them. I think we have people in overflow right now because there are not enough seats for families. So let me say this. If you're in this service and you can go to our 1245 service, not our 1015 service. Our 1015 service looks exactly like this. If you can go to our 1245 service, I will bribe you with food, maybe $20 bill. I'll do whatever I have to do to get people into our 1245 service so we can so we can make room for other people. So if, if you can help your pastor out and uh, create some space in this service for people, it would be amazing. And I just wanna thank you in advance for doing that because you guys love me and you're gonna help me out. Can, I, can everybody nod their head yes. yes? Okay, three people clapped. The rest of y'all, you're just like, I'm gonna go to this service. That's fine, okay, whatever. I, I get it, I get it. Anyways, uh, we're... We, Listen, we like to have a lot of fun here. We like to, I, I like to tell a lot of jokes and all those things, but I want you to know that today is going to be a little bit different uh, because the subject we're going to talk about today is way more serious and is a topic that I think is running rampant, not only in people in our church's lives, but I think it's running rampant in culture as a whole. And so what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about depression and our mental health. And, and let me say this from the front end, I'm not an expert. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a pastor. And, and so I, I'm not going to be able to give you the answer, but here's what I can do. I can lead you to God who has every answer out there that we need in life. And, and so I believe that God is going to speak to us this week. And I've done a lot of research, uh, been looking at a lot of studies and statistics and, and stories. And so what I want to do is I want to define depression for us so we can have a starting point. And depression is basically defined like this. It's a mood disorder characterized by anhedonia, which is basically means, it's a scientific term for, it means that you can no longer experience pleasure. You've gotten to a point where nothing brings pleasure to your life. It also says extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, feelings of guilt, hopelessness, and helplessness. Now, if you look at this list, you start to analyze this list, the reality is, is that we, all of us at some point, have probably found ourselves in one of these stages. Yeah. Like all of us have been there in our lives. In fact, I believe that this is the number one health problem in America right now. They say that one in four people are, are on some sort of depression medication right now. So that means 25% of this room is currently on depression medication. They say that one in three people have been on some form of antidepressant medication at some point in their life. In fact, during the pandemic, 
the depression hotline in America grew 900 percent. 900. And over the last six years, depression medication on a yearly basis has increased six years in a row at 300% every single year. They're saying today that depression is the leading cause of disability in the world today. Now, now when we start talking about this, there is a tendency for us to have a stigma about this type of disorder. And I just wanna let you know that there is no difference between your, your, your physical health and your mental health. In fact, I, I, I put it down like this. The brain is an organ just like your heart is an organ. And if you're having heart problems, we have no problem going to the doctor and getting things to fix our heart. So if our brain is having problems, we should have no problem going to the doctor to fix our brain. Like, so we got we to gotta stop having this stigma about this in society. But with that, there are also nine main issues and causes for depression in life. And two of those are biological. So out of the nine, there are two things that they say that literally people's chemistry is off. And the only way to get your chemistry right is to take some things that will level that chemistry out. But so with that, if you need that help, please get that help. Don't dis disregard it because you're like, I don't want anybody to know or any of those things. We say here at Coastal all the time, and I want you to know this, that it's okay to not be okay. Like, it is okay to not be okay. That's why we say everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect. And anything is possible. Like, it's okay to not be okay. Because here's the deal. If we don't have a culture where it's okay to not be okay, what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to stuff those things. We have a tendency to try to ignore those things and try to act like everything is all good. And everything that our research says that that's when all the problems begin to mount even greater. So we need to have a place where it's okay to not be okay. But I also want to let you know that it's, it's not okay to stay not okay. And so we want to help you in this. And we want this to be a safe place for us to talk about the difficult things in life. And so the question is, is why are we going through this? Why are we experiencing depression and mental health issues at a greater level than we ever have in society today? And, and there's a researcher and a psychologist named Stephen Alardi. He's the foremost expert on depression. And this is what he says. He says, we were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, social isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. Like the life that we're currently living with so much information, with all the things coming at us, with us sitting at desks and sitting at computers, isolated by ourselves, we were never designed to be able to handle as much information and things that are coming at our lives right now. In fact, in his book, The Depression Cure, he, he says that there are five things in society that he believes are escalating depression at a greater level. He says one of them is, is this thing called cell phones and social media use. He said what's happening is, is because we have this access to this 24-7, especially in our children, what it's doing is it's literally rewiring our brains. 
If you watch The Social Dilemma, they talked about the creators of all the social media were saying how bad and addicting it is because it's literally rewiring neurons in your head of what's going on. And so the cell phone and social media use, he said another reason we're struggling with depression is because of a lack of identity. And if you look at the identity issues that are going on in our society today with people trying to quote unquote, discover themselves and who they are and what they are. It's all based on the fact that they have no purpose in life. It's one of the reasons why we talk about purpose so much here on church, because once you discover who you are and whose you are, you don't have any identity issues because you know how God created you and made you. And all of a sudden you're not dealing with the issues that everybody else on the world is. He also says that one of the main issues is our inability today to process pain. And here's the reality. All of us have experienced pain. And we've all experienced trauma in our life. And because we've always been told to be strong, be strong, be strong, what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to stuff that pain. We have a tendency to push that pain down. And then instead of dealing with it, we try to cope with it. And here's how we cope with it. We cope by overeating. We cope with with a, a few more drugs or a little more alcohol. Or or we throw ourselves into a Netflix series so we can escape this world. He says another big problem today is this idea of peer-to-peer mentoring. We've lost fathers teaching sons and mothers teaching daughters. We've lost mentors and mentorees. And what we're doing is we're looking to each other going, hey, you're in the same situation that I'm in. You're an alcoholic and I'm an alcoholic. How do I get out of this? And they're going, well, stop drinking. And if that worked for them, but it didn't work for them because they're still drinking, but yet we're taking all of our information from people that are in the same state of life that we're in and we're wondering why we're not getting any better results. And then finally he says, and this is a big one, is he says it's our narcissistic culture today. It's the selfie culture. Look at me. Everything is about me. And when I read this list, no wonder we're struggling. No wonder we're having so many issues in life. Because what this list does is it begins to cripple us mentally. Depression right now is the number two leading cause of death for the ages 10 to 34. One in four adults during the pandemic contemplated committing suicide. The suicide rate is highest among middle-aged white males. And here's what I know about our emotions. Our emotions are like crashing waves. They roll in and they roll back out. And here's the deal. When the emotions roll in, for some of us, they feel so overwhelming. The pain is so evident and so real. We think that the only way that we can end the pain is to end our life. But we forget that that wave is going to go right back out. And let me just say this. You don't have to die to solve your problem. And some of us are making permanent decisions in temporary problems. And listen, God is not silent on the issue. Like scripture 
talks about what we're dealing with all the time. In fact, you, you can look at person after person after person that was going through the same things mentally and emotionally and fear and anxiety and, and depression that we are. In fact, there's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations that was all about Jeremiah's depression. In fact, Lamentations chapter three says it like this. This is what Jeremiah said. He said, I've been deprived of peace. Anybody ever been deprived of some peace? I've forgotten what prosperity is, so I say my splendor is gone and all that I've hoped from the Lord. I remember, and this is this idea, it, it's, a, it's a term called ruminating, where we begin to take thoughts, we remember all the bad things that have happened in the past and we begin to compound them on top of one another. And so we take something that's bad and we make it even worse and we make it worse and we make it worse. And this is exactly what he does. He goes, I remember my affliction. I remember my wanderings. I remember the bitterness. I remember the gall. I remember them well. And here's what happens when we start doing that. My soul is downcast within me. Some of you know exactly what this is like. It wasn't just Old Testament. Paul in the New Testament says it like this. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we are experiencing in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Anybody ever experienced some great pressure? It's like every day in America, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired life itself. And one of my goals here today is to say like, hey, you know what, this is real. We're not denying this. We understand that it's real. But here's what I know is that until we expose things that are in the dark to light, they will always stay dark and make our world dark. And I believe that God has some truth and God is light and anything he brings into light, here's what I know is roaches scatter in light. The negative things, the things that are not supposed to be there, they have to go. And, and there are a lot of people in scripture that, that dealt with the things that we're dealing with, but there's one in particular, his name is Elijah. We're gonna look at him in, in 1 Kings chapter 19. And what you have to understand is where we're gonna pick up the story is Elijah is coming off the greatest victory of his entire life. Like it's, it's the best thing that's ever happened to him. And what I've noticed in my own life is that I can go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows really fast. Like it's easy to go from the mountaintop to the valley. Yeah. It's way harder to go from the valley to the mountaintop. Yeah. And so Elijah has had the greatest victory and this is where we're gonna pick up the verse and starting in chapter 19, starting in verse one, it says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent his message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. So like she, there's, a, there's a threat there. It says Elijah was afraid and fled, which is what some of us do when we get afraid. We run for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. He left his servants there. Then he went on alone. So he goes and isolates himself in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. And, and you look at that and you go, he just coming out of the mount, mountaintop. Why is he so depressed? I think that there are some reasons that he's depressed. If you're taking notes today, which you should be. One of those reasons is because he's got some faulty thinking. 
He, he, he's, taking, he's taking what could be in life and, and, and he's just running wild with it. He's just rehearsing every negative thing in his mind. He's literally ruminating on the idea and he's taking it from I am having a bad hair day to my car is gonna break down to I'm gonna get diagnosed with cancer to I'm gonna die tomorrow. Like, and it's so easy just to go like on a crazy, wild, irrational thought so quickly. In fact, I found a tweet this week where this guy said, I've got 99 problems and 86 of them are completely made up scenarios in my head that I'm stressing about for absolutely no reason. Some of you, I just read your mail right there because that's exactly how you're living life right now. You've got some faulty thinking. We have to go back to what we talked about last week in Philippians chapter four, where it says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to fix your thoughts now on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, I want you to think about those things. And then we didn't talk about verse nine, but here's verse nine. He says, Put them into practice. In other words, he's saying, keep doing that over and over and over again, and here's what'll happen. Then the God of peace will be with you. Some of you are looking for peace, but it starts with changing our thinking. Here's another reason why he was in, in, in depression is because of isolation. He left his servant and he goes on by himself. And some of you, the reason you're struggling in your thought life is because you are isolating physically. You're getting away from other people. Then some of you, you're around other people, but do you know that you can be around other people and be lonely at the same time? Because what happens is, is you get alone with your thoughts. And I don't know about you, but I have some wild, irrational thoughts. And, and, and I've just learned that I can't trust what I think. Like, I will lie to me. And I'm gonna guess that you probably lie to you. That's why we talk about connect groups all the time here. It's not because we want you in a connect group. It's because we want you to have some relationships where you can be real and authentic with because I've learned the length of my struggle is usually determined by the length of my isolation. So the longer I isolate by myself, the longer I stay in that struggle, the quicker I get it out there to some other people that I can trust in. All of a sudden, because I'm bringing darkness into light, the darkness begins to scatter in our life. And some of you, you need some people. And next week, we're gonna have connect group signups and maybe you won't have them week one, but by week 12, you might have some people in your life that you can trust with some things in your life that you can be real and authentic with that will change everything about your mental game in Life. That's why Ecclesiastes chapter four says a person standing alone, you know what they can be? They can be attacked and they can be defeated. And some of you wonder why you're continually defeated in life. It's because you're alone. But it says two can stand back to back. In the military, they would say that somebody's got your six and here's what happens. Then you conquer. It says three, though, are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And some of you, you need some people not only at your back, you need some people at your front, you need some people at your sides that will ride or die with you. How about this one? He, he, he was led by his feelings. What does it say? He was, he was afraid and he fled. Why? Because he was trusting in the wrong things. And a lot of us, we're trusting in the wrong things. We're trusting our feelings. And, and you need to know this. Feelings are indicators, not dictators. Right. 
And for so many of us, we're allowing our feelings to dictate our life, which is causing even more problems in our life because feelings are not supposed to be telling us what to do. Feelings are supposed to be indicating that there's something wrong that we need to check out. It's like the check engine light in your car. When it comes on, it's indicating that there is something off in your life. You can continue to drive it, but if you do, there's going to be problems later on down the road. So instead of ignoring it or putting a black sticker over it and going, there's nothing there, what you got to do is you actually have to check it out. And a lot of us, the problem is, is that we're being led by our feelings because we have bad theology in life. And we get our theology from, from music and the world, and we, we listen to things that came out like, listen to your heart. Oh, that's so, I should listen to my heart. No, don't listen to your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Like what that means is your heart will lie to you. And if you listen to it, you're going to get in all kinds of trouble. Don't listen to your heart. Listen to truth. Where do I find truth? God's word. So why Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is alive. Like, this is alive and powerful. It is. It says it's, sh- it's sharp, like a two-edged sword. It's cutting between the soul and the spirit. It's cutting between the joint and the marrow. And what it's doing is it's exposing. It's cutting down to the depths of our innermost thoughts and desires. And so when it gets exposed, what do you do? You have to know what, it, what scripture says because then in John 8, 32, it says, and you will know the truth. And here's what truth will do is it will set you free. Here's another reason why I was depressed, comparison. He's looking at his dead ancestors and going, man, my life, how does it compare to them? And, and we're comparing our miserable moments today to everybody's victories. Listen, I know that neighbor just got a brand new kitchen and you look at yours and it's old and it's dated and it's dirty and you're going, man, what's up with that? But what you're not seeing is the debt that they just acquired for that kitchen. Like nobody's posting on, they're posting on Instagram their house, but nobody's posting their mortgage payment. They're posting the bends, but they're not posting the car payment, right? Like nobody's doing that. Why? Because that's the highlight reel, not the reality. And some of us need to stop comparing ourselves among ourselves because all we're doing is hurting ourselves. Listen, you are unique. You were created in God's image. You're not supposed to look like them, live like them, act like them. You don't have to live up to other people's expectations. You have to live for the expectation of one, and that's God himself. That's why Galatians says it like this. Obviously, like he's like, obviously. Like I think Paul was sarcastic. He's like, obviously. I'm not trying to win the approval of people, which is some of our problems. We're living for the approval of others and we're wondering why we never measure up because you never will, but of God. Because if pleasing people were my goal, then I wouldn't be able to follow Jesus. See, you can't serve God and be a people pleaser at the same time. So what do we do? What do we do? And I love this. This scripture does, doesn't leave us in the lurch. It actually gives us a solution here. Starting in verse five, it says, then he laid down. And for some of you, that's a word from God. He's just saying, go take a nap. 
Some of y'all today after church, husbands, you're going to be laying down, taking a nap. Your wife's going to be like, what are you doing? You're going to be like, I'm listening to the preacher today. I'm taking a nap. <laughs> you're welcome, okay? It says, and he slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some baked bread. Notice it did not say he gave him a salad. This was not the keto diet. This was not a vegetarian diet. This, like, like Jesus loves carbs. I'm just letting you, some people know. Bread is biblical. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to throw it out there. So, On some hot stones, it says, ladies, go get a massage while your husband's napping in a jar of water. And so he ate and drank and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came to him and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and he drank and the food gave him strength for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? A couple things that I think we can learn practically to, to put into place about how do we fight and overcome depression in our life. Number one is that we have to get healthy physically but to get healthy physically. And this is so important because there are real issues of chemical imbalances, but let's not throw out the life imbalances that we have. There are some real life imbalances that people are living with today. Like how about eating well and working out and go take a nap in Jesus' name? Like in all of my research, they said the two things that produce the most positive endorphins in your life are working out and sleep. Yeah, that's right. You know what we struggle with in our society today? Working out and sleeping enough. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why we're doing this health challenge right now. And we could have done this in the beginning of the year, but we knew that we were going to be talking about mental health this year. And we knew that the, the four things that we want you to focus on in this health challenge are particularly important when it comes to your mental health. We talked about, hey, we're going to eat well. What is that doing? That's fueling your body. You need good fuel to have a good mental game. And we're, we're talking about exercise. What's that doing? It's creating the endorphins that you need to have a positive life. We're talking about getting six hours of sleep. What is that doing? It's creating rest in your life, which so many of us desperately need. And then we're saying, hey, read your Bible every day. What's that doing? It's feeding your soul spiritually. We're trying to help you out in this life by creating some, some programs and some platforms that will not only help you physically and, and spiritually, but it will help you mentally in your life. In fact, this week I was, I was thinking about uh, growing up, we, we would go snow skiing all the time as a family. It was something we did. And my stepdad and I one year, went, we went into Vail, Colorado to do like a guys trip. And, uh, and one thing about me, if you've been at Coastal for any length of time, you know I like extreme things. So, so I would be skiing dime, black diamonds and double black diamonds. And, and kind of the rule of thumb was is my stepdad would go ahead of me wherever a jump or a cliff was to make sure that when I came off that jump or came off that cliff, I didn't hurt myself or kill myself so that he could call for help. And so we did that. We were skiing, we were probably on the fourth or fifth day. It was our last day being in Vail. And, and we were at the end of the day and we were at the top of one of the back bowls. And we're like, man, we got to get back. We looked at a map. We figured out that a double black diamond was our way back, the safest way and the fastest way. Well, not the safest way, but the fastest way. And, uh, and, and so I started skiing ahead and I was like, hey, I'll, I'll kind of I'll blaze the trail. And so we're doing all these moguls and we get to this point where it's a little bit icy and I get through this mogul section and my stepdad is coming behind me and he kind of loses control 
control. He veers off into the woods, slams into a tree, breaks his goggles in half, bleeding profusely. I stop. We, we, I, I actually end up helping him down the mountain. We end up finding out that like all the, the rangers and people of that day, they were busy because that same day on that same mountain, Sonny Bono died. And I was thinking about that this week and I started thinking about skiing and, and I started doing some research and it said 90% of snow skiing accidents happen at the end of the day. It says when researched, it was found that the cause of this was simply that people were overconfident and weary. And I thought to myself, man, how apropos is that to our mental health? A lot of us, we are overconfident. We think, man, I can handle all this. I can take all this on. I can work 24-7. I can do all this. I can be a parent. I can stuff all of these things into my schedule. And we're so overconfident that we're carrying so much. And at the same time, we're weary and we're wondering why we're crashing. Why? Because the only person that cares about your weariness and how tired you are is this guy right here. <laughs> He's the only God that cares about your sleep patterns. And you need to know this, church. God designed you for work and rest. And some of us are working so hard that your body is creating tension in it because you are not resting. What did God do? God created for six days, and on the seventh, he rested. Oh, some of y'all don't know that. He what on the seventh day? Rested. Rested. He created a rhythm of rest. So while we talk about the rule of seven here, every seven days, you need to take a day off. Every seven weeks, you need a night away with just your spouse. If you're single, just go out by yourself. Every seven months, you need a vacation. Notice I did not say a trip. A trip is with your children. You don't get any rest with your children. They are rest suckers, not rest givers. And here's what'll happen on that seven months. You'll be alone with your spouse and you'll create a lot of good endorphins and it'll just help you out. Just helping somebody out. Continuing on in verse 10. So, so God, he says, hey, go to the mountain of God. And, and when Elijah gets there, this is what happens in verse 10. It says, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. Man, I, but the people, man, these people of Israel, they broke in your covenant and they torn down your altars and they killed every one of your prophets and I'm the only one left. And now, God, they're trying to kill me. What does he do here? Number two, he just pours his heart out to God. He just goes, God, this is the mess that I'm in. And here's the deal. The things that he's pouring out are wild, irrational thoughts that he's built up in his mind because those thoughts that he's telling God right there aren't even true. Like, he's not the only one left. There's 700 more prophets left. He's not the only one that hasn't bowed. There's tons of people that haven't bowed. Like, but in his mind, he's created all these things. And what God is saying to you and what he's saying to me is he's saying, hey, bring me your mess. Whatever you think, whatever you comprehend, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. I just want to hear it all. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, whether they're true or not. And here's what I'll do. I will give you rest. That's why Philippians tells us, be anxious for nothing. Like you don't have to work yourself up, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Supplication is literally, you ever have that friend that comes up to you and just kind of throws up everything on you? Like, here's everything. 
Not like literal throw up, but like information. <laughs> you might have a friend that just pukes on you. You might want to change your friends if that's the case. So I'm just saying. <laughs> like God saying, prayer and supplication. Let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, here's what it will do. It will guard your hearts and your mind. Some of us, we need to bring some stuff to God. We just need to pour out our heart, whether it's true or whether it's not, whether it's made up or whether it's real. And verse 11, it says this. God says to Elijah, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And it says, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose, and, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, it says he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Number three, what we have to do is we have to experience the power and the presence of God. Because here's what I know. There is so much noise in our world and it sounds like the wind and it sounds like the earthquake and it sounds like fire and there's so much vying for our attention. It's so much vying for our focus in life. We're so focused on, on the earthquake and the wind and the fire. We're, look at all these problems, look at all these things and God is trying to speak to us in a still small voice. That's why it says in Psalms, be still, comma. Yeah. Like you gotta, in order to be still, you gotta stop. Yeah. It says, know that I'm in God. For some of us, it's time for us to quiet our souls because we're so focused on the problem, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but you are worshiping constantly. You're worshiping, and every time you're focused on the problem and, and you're elevating and magnifying that problem, you know what you're doing? You're, wor you're worshiping the problem. And what gets your focus and what gets your attention gets your adoration. Yeah. And some of you have fallen in love with the problems. And what we need to do is we need to start focusing not on the problem, but we need to start focusing on the promise maker, the promise keeper. We need to focus on the presence of God where everything changes. See, worship shifts our focus from life's darkness to God's goodness. And God is wanting to shift some of our mindsets today. We've been so focused on the wrong things for so long and we're wondering why nothing right is taking place in our life. It's because our focus has been on life's darkness instead of God's goodness. And God's going, man, I've got something so much more for you today. We've got something so much more for your life and for your heart and for your mind. 
In fact, there's a popular scripture that a lot of people know. It's in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good. See, God's got something good for you. And not the disaster that's going on right here in your mind. To actually give you a future and a hope. Now, a lot of us stop right there, but it says, in the, those days when you pray, in those days when you pour out your heart to me, here's what God says. He says, give it all to me, and here's what I'll do. I'll listen. And if you begin to search for me with all of your heart, here's what will happen. You'll find me. And when you're found by me, here's what I'll do in your life. When you get in my presence and you experience my power, I will end your captivity. The things that have been holding you captive in your mind, the addictions that have been in your life, the strongholds that have been there for so long, I will end your captivity and I will begin to restore your fortunes. You want to know why? Because our God is a God of restoration. He doesn't just make it as good as it was. He always makes it better. And some of you guys, you need some restoration in your mind. You need some restoration in your life. And it begins with us going, God, I'm ready to experience your power and your presence. And don't get me wrong. I understand that some of you guys, you're in a dark situation. And it's real and it's dark. But it's only dark because light has not shined in. And here's what I know is light shines brightest in the darkest moments when you invite the light in. And so I I want to leave a moment here today in our service for God's light to shine into your life. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do work because I I don't think you're here by accident or by happenstance. I believe you're here on purpose because God wants to create and do a breakthrough in your life so that you don't have to stay in the captivity that you've been in so long but so that he can actually restore your fortunes by us experiencing his power and his presence through worship. And I'm gonna pray for you and then we're gonna sing. And I'm gonna believe God's gonna move in your life. So with every head bowed, God, we come before you. And I thank you for every man, for every woman, for every student that is in this room. God, I thank you that your power and your presence is here and you're wanting to move in people's lives right now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you are a chain breaker, that you are a way maker, that you don't want to see anybody left in the darkness, but you want everybody to experience your everlasting light. God, I just pray right now that whatever strongholds that are out there, would be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray for addictions to be broken right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for mindsets to be loosed right now in the name of Jesus. The enemy doesn't have any authority in this place because who the sun sets free is free indeed. God, we thank you for the breakthrough that's gonna take place in your church right now in Lighthouse Point. Spirit of God, move from the top of people's heads to the bottom of their feet. Let nothing impure or unholy stay active in their life right now. God, we worship you. We love you. We magnify you. You are worthy of all of our praise. We're not going to worship our problem. We're going to worship you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand and worship with us?
Come and sing this out together. Come on, sing it out. Come on, can we lift up the name of Jesus? Can we 